The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to their elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome back to Brand New Little People, the podcast where we talk about all things early parenting with a particular focus on sleep and settling and crying and feeding and all those tricky things in the first few years. Uh, We're your hosts, I'm Dr Fallon Cook and I'm here with Dr Laura Conway and welcome back to another episode. Yay, welcome everyone. (laughs) Today is the start of a really big week for us, isn't it Laura? We've got the yes. Sombel sleep program for toddlers is coming out this Friday, which has just been a huge amount of work. And I'm so excited that we're in this home stretch. Um, so today's episode, we wanted to make it all about toddlers, um, all about sleep and settling difficulties and how you might resolve some of those really common um, difficulties. Um, <clears throat> but first up, I want to give a bit of a shout out. We're actually doing a giveaway at the moment on Instagram. Um, that I think a lot of parents will really love to jump on board with. It just gives you the opportunity to win access um, to one of the Sombell programs. We've also partnered up with some very cool other female-led businesses. Um, There's Porter Fox, and if you've heard of them, they do those really pretty block-out blinds. Mm. Um, I think that's just such a nice change, isn't it? Because some block-out blinds are pretty plain and boring, but these are really, really pretty, so you can still have your cute nursery, (laughs) but get good sleep. (laughs) Yeah. The other one is And Alice. hey, I've been uh, I've been waking up a lot at the moment um with the sun streaming in <laughs> through my blinds and thinking oh I should probably get some of those <laughs> go, block out ones myself. Yes. Yeah, I will. Yeah, <laughs> I'll enter this any age. <laughs> what pattern will you choose? <laughs> You're going to go there. I like the rainbows. The rainbows, nice. I like it. <laughs> Sorry, um, go ahead, Fallon. That's all right. No, there's also um, elves in the wardrobe where they um, have some really, really beautiful, beautiful children's clothing. And bush babies down under where they, they make those really gorgeous wall decals um, mm. that are very much sort of Australian native flora and fauna themed. And they're just beautiful. Um, so if you'd like to win those things, jump on our Instagram and there's some instructions there. I think you've got to like follow us and like us or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you can read the post that's pinned to the top of our account. Um, yeah, pretty cool package to win that one. Um, but let's dive into toddler sleep issues. <laughs> mm. I love working with toddlers. We were just chatting the other day, weren't we, Laura, that I reckon probably half of our caseload, if not more, toddlers and there's a few preschoolers in there as well um yes we just seem to get a lot don't we yeah we do um yeah I love working with toddlers as well and when I have a day in the clinic with um maybe six toddlers one after the other coming in um it's fast and it's furious um they come in they're bundles of energy they've got (laughs) haven't got a filter yet 
and <laughs> <laughs> it is very very funny and lively in the clinic yes. uh, and these they what I should say is that they are having lots of fun and are very lively but their parents aren't no, <laughs> um, no it's so uh, oh my goodness yeah the sleep issues that these toddlers um, present with are um, yeah, can be pretty extreme, can't they, Fallon? And um, parents are absolutely at their wits' end. And I'm laughing, yeah. but I know it's not funny. And I lived it with one of mine. Well, both of mine, actually. But one was particularly um, a particularly tricky sleeper when um, he was a toddler. Um, so, um, yeah, I am so excited, Fallon, that we are launching the toddler program yes. um, this week so that we can um, touch on, uh, well, not more than touch on, we can talk about all those common problems that parents of toddlers are having and um, how you can go about resolving them and bring yeah. some peace and harmony back to the household. Do you know what I'm really proud of with the toddler program is how many strategies we've packed in there because I think toddler sleep and settling problems can be so varied and so different. You know, it's going to depend on your toddler's yeah. temperament and where they're sleeping or where you'd rather they were sleeping. Um, mm -hmm. There's just so many factors to consider. And for a long time, we were like, gosh, how would we ever distill that into one program? But we've done it. Mm -hmm. And I love that parents are yeah. going to get so many options to choose from because we are very much um, believers in having options, flexible options, and not pushing parents all into one kind of rigid approach. Um, and that's something yeah. that I think we've, we've done a really clever job of in the program. And I just can't wait to get feedback from parents. Um, Laura, mm. you were telling me the other day something popped up in your Facebook memories about your own <laughs> tricky toddler. Tell me about that again. Yeah. So I should um, uh, just say before um, sharing this, that when my children were babies and toddlers, I was yet to be working heavily in the sleep space. Mm. <laughs> so uh, it did actually cause me, because I could see the impact um, their tricky sleep had on me and my partner and our whole family functioning. Um, it really was a catalyst for s starting to work in this area. Yeah, uh, the post there. that I saw the other day that came up on um, Facebook was... <laughs> me at 5 a.m. in the morning saying my son has been screaming since 4 a.m. should I just throw in the towel and head to work now yeah <laughs> and oh my goodness that was a um a experience that lasted a long time for us really early rising toddler um yeah. and thinking that the um, yeah, I just needed to get the, uh, my toddler to go back to sleep and would just try and try and try from like 4am every morning whilst knowing that mm. I needed to go to work. And I was driving mm. into Parkville to the children's hospital yeah, you know, where we met. Um, and yeah, gosh, it was awful. You know, trying, yeah. trying to work and do with that long drive into Parkville um, on the back of relentless early morning wakes. Those very, early very risings hard. are just an absolute killer because I think for a lot of parents, when you're trying to resettle them, a lot of parents are teary and desperate and frustrated because they just know that if this takes too long, I'm not going to get to go back to sleep myself. And you just know you're mm. starting the day on the back foot and it just flavors the whole day, that kind of 
yeah, early, early rising. It's so painful. Mm. Um, but I think that that is something really important in a way that you bring into your work with your families is that really genuine understanding of how challenging yes. these things are. Because I think when parents complain, oh, gosh, my toddler wakes up so early, I think a lot of people are just like, oh, yeah, toddlers, you know, and it's like, no, this is different. <laughs> this is yeah. this is not just getting up at 6 a.m. Like 6 a.m. would be heaven. <laughs> you know, this is oh, waking yeah. up at 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning. Um, yeah, it's incredibly yeah. challenging. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things I see a lot um, when it comes to toddlers you know, on the other end of, of the, the night, are those really, really tricky bedtimes. You know, we expect toddlers, mm. yeah, they're going to throw a few spanners in the works at bedtime and they'll be the odd tricky night. But the reality for some families is that every single bedtime is horrendous. It's an yeah. hours long battle and it's like a battle of wills. Like it's not a relaxing, yeah. calming, you know, lovely time as a family it just feels like you're going to war every night yeah. not knowing yes. what your toddler's going to throw into the mix um oh it's just you know I've had families who have to massage their toddlers to sleep for an hour to get them off to sleep oh. or um yes. just keep offering bottles of milk because they just keep demanding it and they're like well maybe maybe this will be the bottle that does it and then these toddlers yes. are drinking extraordinary amounts of milk before they go to bed and then waking up overnight because they've got very wet nappies and feeling uncomfortable. Yep. And so it's like just this horrible, um, it can just become a bit of a mess where then your nights fall apart as well. Um, so yeah. I think it's yeah really important to get some strategies in place. And I know in the Sombell program, but in the clinic as well, when it comes to those bedtime battles, it's so important to really be having a careful think about sleep pressure and are they actually ready for mm-hmm. sleep because so often you know their mm-hmm. parents will say oh they're grumpy in the afternoons like I'm sure they're tired enough to fall asleep but if they're taking you know two hours to fall asleep every night and you know mm. you're starting bedtime at 7 p.m maybe they're falling asleep at 8 30 or 9 p.m then after a certain amount of time that's just going to become their biologically normal kind of expected bedtime is around that 8 30 9 mm-hmm. p.m mark and you might keep trying to settle them earlier than that, but you're just going to get nowhere. Um, so I think yeah. that's one of the biggest tips we often give to families is have a look at what that average bedtime is and just start actually saying goodnight at that time. So, And a lot of parents are mm-hmm. so horrified, like, what? I'm not going to put my toddler to bed at 8.30 or 9 p.m. Like, they should be going to bed earlier. Well, maybe they should be, but right now, trying to force, you know, 7 p.m. bedtime it's not working. You know, you've got the evidence of that. Yeah. You've had months of it not working. Just try it. Move your bedtime routine. So maybe the bedtime routine starts at quarter past eight, finishes at 8.30. Usually pretty quickly, they're falling asleep a whole lot faster with far fewer mm-hmm. massages and <laughs> bottles of milk. And, <laughs> and bottles, yeah, stories and, and cuddles and, and yeah. snacks. And, yeah. And yeah. so often they demand the other parent, don't they? If they're not getting what they want from one yes. parent, then oh, I need the other one. Yeah, it's yes. tough. Yeah. And I reckon that's a struggle for parents, isn't it? Sort of knowing when do we, like moving bedtime can be helpful, but there's probably also another component to that problem at bedtime where there's something off with the dynamic of things a bit. Like your toddler might have a little bit too much power at bedtime and they're running a mile with it. Do you see that a lot mm. in clinic as well, Laura? 
Yeah, there's a lot of um, testing the limits in the toddler years. And, um, you know, particularly it, it can start around bedtime and then it can start to bleed into not wanting to get into the bath or out of the bath and then not wanting to eat dinner or not wanting to have a snack or not wanting to have the bottle. Um, and, you know, toddlers are learning where the boundaries are and where the limits mm. are and they will it's just it's a normal part of their development to understand um how the world works and um it's this transition from them being babies where we have to meet their needs mm. um and we have to make sure that they're hydrated <laughs> and that they're fed and uh, that they're nice and comfortable and going to bed i mean of course we still want to make sure that toddlers are comfortable going to bed um but then there's it kind of creeps up on us as parents, I think, this shift from them being babies where we need to meet their needs to them being toddlers who need to learn where the limits of their agency mm. are and where the boundaries are that their parents um, yes. are setting for them. And it's just yeah. this very subtle shift that almost comes out of nowhere sometimes yeah it just gradually it can, creaks up yeah yeah and it can be even at, like with, with my firstborn I remember thinking that she turned into a um stereotypical toddler at 17 months I can I have a particular <laughs> moment in time that I remember a door being slammed <laughs> and a get out of my room being shouted um and um <laughs> going oh my god it's happened it's happened before they're two um yes. but you know for other I mean, maybe yours are different you know for other children they don't start testing those boundaries until um they are two two and a half or some are mm. absolute angels until about three so it can be very tricky for parents to yeah. notice and when that shift happens yes and it's really gradual and i think it starts with something like bedtime was going okay and then there was this one particular night, maybe they weren't quite tired enough. They've had an afternoon nap in the car or something a bit unexpected. And then suddenly, um, you know, at bedtime, they're asking for something extra. Like, oh, can I just have one more story or a little bit more milk? And you think, oh, well, if that's what's going to do it and get them into bed and settle down, then yeah, let's, let's do that one extra thing. Um, for some children, that's fine. It's a once off. But for some, they go, oh, OK, if I demand something extra and if I get really upset and really cross and demand something extra, they, they'll actually change the bedtime routine and something different will happen. Yeah. And especially for a toddler who's not quite tired enough at bedtime, they'll run a mm. mile with that. That's like their favorite game. Yeah. Like, what can I get mum and dad yeah. to do for me now? <laughs> And it's totally uh, yes. natural and normal, you know. It's just yeah. if yeah. you know that things might change a bit, then why not push a few buttons and see what things might change at bedtime? And and that's the, how the slippery slope can begin. And, you know, for some parents it's really yeah. easy to pull things back on track and the next night you're saying, no, we can't have another story because it's actually bedtime. We are going to sleep now. And, you know, they push back a bit and you just ride out that storm and, and you know, they, they get through it. They're back on track. Um, but for yeah. some... It just keeps snowballing and growing into bigger and bigger problems until, yeah, suddenly you're, um, gosh, yeah, we hear all sorts of wild things parents are having oh. to do. You know, bouncing three-year-olds on a fitball. Like, what? <laughs> there comes yes. a point where 
I think this is the other thing that I, it's hard to broach these things with parents sometimes, but I do gently try and get them to think about, you know, you have power and agency as a parent, you know, at some point mm-hmm. you can look at bouncing on a fit ball or um, having to rock them a certain way or do certain songs or stand on your head or whatever it is. You can look at that and go, mm-hmm. okay, this is getting a bit ridiculous. You can make that decision yeah. to go, okay, we're going to work on new bedtime settling habits. Um, even if your toddler is really, um, fiery and you know, they're going to be really Mm -hmm. cross when you change their bedtime routine. If that bedtime routine has become so problematic that you're stressed out, bedtime's a nightmare, everyone's cranky, you know, and every evening just feels hard, then Mm. make the changes, just make the changes. It's already a hard bedtime, you know, it might get a bit harder while you push towards, you know, a different sort of settling routine, but once they adjust to it and realise you mean business and you're sticking to this one particular way of settling them, mm-hmm. um, they do get on board with it because they do start yeah. to notice there are those boundaries and their behaviours settle down because they think, well, there's not a lot of point in, you know, getting all worked up because we really do just stick to one, you know, predictable mm. way of settling off to sleep. And that can be um, so reassuring for toddlers where every day different things are happening, they're having new experiences, Um, they may have started daycare if they haven't already, Um, if they're three they might be going to kinder, Um, all sorts of new things happening every day, Um, slight variations um, from day to day and um, for at the end of the day for them to know that okay this is the very predictable list of activities that happen. It's very calm, very reassuring, very um, yeah, predictable, time limited. That can be like a warm hug as well yes. as the warm hug that you give <laughs> yeah. them as they go to bed. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's it, a there's calming, just no loving, yeah, yeah, loving process. Mm. I think that's so true. And the same stands for overnight waking as well. If you do something a little bit different every time they wake overnight, even though they're demanding something different, it's that unpredictability that can they can find that really unsettling. You know, if it's just mm-hmm. they're calmly, warmly, gently resettled the same way every time, they're mm-hmm. far less motivated to then call out and get out of bed because they're like, well, I know exactly what mom or dad is going to do. They're going to give me a cuddle. They're going to pop me in bed. They're going to say something lovely and then they're going to go again. And so for that toddler, they're thinking, well, I could call out, but I know exactly what's going to happen. There's not going to be extra whatever, um, you know, bottles of milk or whatever it is, you know, that that might (laughs) have been offered. And then they're quicker to settle down again. Um, So I think it definitely stands for those night wakings as well. and yeah. I think the other thing that, you know, talking more on night wakings, because that's another, I guess, you know, w- when we built out the Sombell Toddler Program, we really aimed to focus on three core difficulties. So the bedtime battles, the frequent overnight waking and the early rising. And they all kind mm-hmm. of factor into each other because, mm-hmm. like I was just saying, you know, with the night wakings, if there are factors that are motivating them to wake up and call out, well, night waking's just going to continue so you definitely want to look mm-hmm. at, you know, how are they falling asleep at the start of the night? Because if if the bedtime routine has gotten to a point where they'll only fall asleep when you're holding them or rocking them, for example, if they wake mm-hmm. up overnight and you've gone and put them in their cot or their bed and they're waking up mm-hmm. somewhere different and unexpected, they're going to call out. They're going to be really unsettled. They're going to get a little bit of a fright mm-hmm. when they realize they're somewhere they weren't expecting. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that's when often we see them waking four, five, six, seven, sometimes even eight times overnight, yeah. wanting the parent to go yep. back in and help them get back to sleep. Um, mm. And it just doesn't have to be like that, does it? Like toddlers are... No. And this is the other thing I think that's really worth touching on. I think a lot of parents are scared to change anything because their toddlers have such big, strong emotions and they're worried they're going to have mm-hmm. to be really harsh and, and you know, overly, overly harsh and firm or do something they really mm-hmm. don't want to do to get their toddler to fall asleep quickly. And that is not the case. I think that holds – I don't know if you yeah. see this in families you see. Yeah. It holds them back. Some of them say, I haven't done anything about these problems for years because I thought you were just mm-hmm. going to tell me to shut the door on them and let them scream. <laughs> Yes. Um, oh my goodness, no. I hear that a lot, Fallon. Yeah. yeah. The parents are so scared and that, that they come to the clinic, you know, often because they've heard about us from um, their family doctor or a friend or the pediatrician or the psychologist or whoever they might be addressing yeah. these different behavior issues with. Um, they'll, um, they'll come to us and they'll say, oh, this has been going on for two years, you know, two and a half years. And I... I they say they either thought it was too late and they couldn't do anything mm. about it. Um, like you can only help babies sleep. For some reason, people think you can't help toddlers to sleep. Yeah, that's another or, weird one. Yeah, or that the um, anyone that they engage to help them with their toddler is going to suggest some very extreme um, mm. intervention to match their toddler's extreme behavior. Yes. I think that's probably where, where it comes from is that the toddler's behavior seems so extreme that as a parent in the thick of it, you can only think of matching that extreme behavior. Mm. But actually, you don't need to match that extreme behavior. And no. what some bell talks you through is whatever the issue is that you're having with your toddler, be it the bedtime battles, waking overnight or waking early in the morning or, you know, there's some other um, toddler issues in there. But um, whatever the um, difficulty is that um, you're living with, there are approaches that address those difficulties and they do not involve shutting a bedroom door, <laughs> no. locking it and saying you're not coming out until morning. Exactly. You know, there it doesn't so have many... to be extreme. Yeah, there are so many mm. gentle and loving ways that you can approach these things. I think parents just need a clear plan on how to do it, to know what to do. What are you going to do when they scream their head off because you're not, you know, patting their bottom or getting the extra yeah. milk or whatever? It's just having that clear plan on what to do. And that's what I think I think most parents I work with are so amazed by, that they never thought that they could still be the gentle loving parents they want to be and also have good sleepers and that Mm. just astounds me like I don't know it's being harsh and oh having you know I don't know it's if if you want to sleep well you know does it help if someone's angry at you at bedtime you know even as an adult you know like if you Yeah, if, if you've had the run-in with a friend or your partner or something, you just can't fall asleep. And it's the same for toddlers. We, no. Of course we have to handle them carefully and be gentle and loving. So you know, often I say to parents, it's about, yeah, you're going to be firm. You're going to have a firm idea of what you're going to do, but you're going to be firm and gentle, not firm and yes. angry or loud. Firm does never yeah. it never means being angry or loud. It means just sticking to the rules and calmly supporting them through whatever big stormy emotions they're going mm. to have. Because when you're there with them 
and you're modeling really calm behavior, you're showing them that you're calm and in control of yourself, they will start to try to match your energy. Whereas if you are angry mm-hmm. and frustrated, they'll also match your energy. And then it's, <laughs> you know, two angry people, <laughs> you know, nothing, yeah. nothing gets resolved. Um, yeah, or one angry and one scared. You know, one has gone from yeah. being um, uh, just testing the boundaries to then actually being scared because, um, you know, the parent has um, had weeks and weeks or months or possibly years of this and they finally snap and then the toddler goes from where are the boundaries to I'm actually really scared now and I don't feel safe and nighttime and bedtime feels like an unsafe time and then that if that happens over and over again um of course um in the lead up to bedtime that you're going to start to see all kinds of Um, challenging behaviors from your toddler because they are starting to feel nervous Mm. about bedtime and starting to feel scared about what's coming yes or they might be very compliant but not for the reasons we want them to be compliant yes yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah really there's a very fine line I think I understand parents frustrations and I think that's why we're so passionate about getting actual helpful supportive strategies that support toddlers mental health and parent mental health um, because you can absolutely be there with your toddler giving them lots of support um, you know and learning new and different ways of falling asleep and resettling they can have all the support um, and still do really really well and it doesn't have to take forever either it doesn't mean that you're going to be in their bedroom for months and months on end Mm -hmm. Um, you know there's pathways through that and that's what we've really funneled into Sunbelt and that's I mean that's the crux of why I'm so excited about this program is I just think finally finally parents are going to get a range of really sensible options um, to actually choose from and if you try one and it's not quite the right fit you know we've got all these different modifications that you can then apply depending on your toddler's temperament and how they're responding there always will be another way to make progress you know going forward. Um, yeah. yeah, and gosh, exciting. I'm so excited for these families, Fallon, who are going to have access to this program. You know, it can be yeah. hard to get in to see me and you in clinic because we do tend to book up quite mm. far in advance. And you know, even if for you know our wait time might only be a month ahead, for example. But as a parent of a toddler who has made the decision that you want to make some changes, yeah. you know, even a month ahead can feel like an inordinate length of time because that's like. 31 night times yeah, <laughs> um, yeah before you can get in to times. see us <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah um, I, know, so, I love that they'll just be yeah. able to click and go yep they've got access to all the clinic resources and all these approaches I mean yeah you're right just being able to instantly go okay we're in let's get this done um yeah yeah what a game changer because I hate it when we've got all these people on our wait list and I just feel so bad for them but we just cannot physically see more people No, it's only two of us, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's going to be wonderful. So I think, you know, if we really summarise probably the key takeaways that you you could have from our little discussion today, one would be at bedtime, if it's getting out of control, think about maybe pushing bedtime that bit later and decide on a bit of a bedtime routine that you're going to follow and just keep persisting with it in the same order, same pattern of events, yeah, you might get some crazy behavior thrown your way, but just calmly, gently persist. 
If you've mm-hmm. got lots of overnight wake-ups, have a think. What's motivating your toddler to call out? What is it that they want from you? Um, and then work on changing that thing so that maybe they need to practice falling asleep that little bit more independently. And if you need help with any of these things, obviously, um, come Friday, <laughs> you'll be able to get it. <laughs> <laughs> and with the yeah. early rising as well, um, it's a really common one. Just check that you've got that bedroom environment really set up so that it's hard for your toddler to know that morning's coming. So... Mm-hmm. That might mean blackout blinds on the window. It might mean using a bit of white noise so they can't hear the rubbish truck or the birds screeching. Mm-hmm. Um, and just have a bit of a an idea in mind of how long you're going to try to resettle them for um, in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, what are your limits? And once you've tried for that amount of time, it's totally fine to just go, okay, we're starting the day. Um, you can't yeah. keep driving yourself absolutely crazy. Um yeah, I think, yeah. That's, I think that's a really summary. lovely summary, Fallon. Um, and I hope that parents who are listening, um, who, um, you know, those who have babies that are on the cusp of becoming toddlers, so it's 12 months and over, um, or parents who are listening who um, already have toddlers and perhaps they have heard about us through their health professionals or um, family and friends, um, uh you know, just starting to think about how it doesn't have to be as tricky as it is now. Um, and there will be the toddler program launched this Friday. Um, so keep an yeah. eye out um, for it and uh, and dive in if you've got any of those three problems that um, Fallon, you've just summarised. And plen- there's plenty of other problems but those are that we address in the yeah. Sombell toddler program but those are the key yeah. the, those are the main the main ones yeah mm. and keep an eye out we're going to be releasing a video tour of the program um later this week so you'll be able to actually see under the hood and see the crazy breadth of the information that you're going to get in there that reminds me laura we got this really lovely email from jess um it was just such mm. a nice email to wake up to the other morning um and maybe i'll just read that out now um she said um yeah. I'm a first-time mum to a beautiful, almost seven-month-old boy. I purchased Sunbell after it was recommended to me, and I love the podcast. I've struggled with sleep deprivation and multiple night wake-ups since my baby was born. My baby was fed to sleep day and night, bed-sharing overnight with only contact naps during the day. Oh my gosh, that is exhausting. Um, my husband and I decided to go with a supported, accelerated approach because we needed results quickly since I'm returning to work next month. After doing Sunbell, the overnight wakes have significantly reduced and there is more consistent rhythm to the day. All naps are in the cot and I'm free to drink a hot cup of tea. Oh, Laura, as the oh. British one on this podcast, you'll, you'll know how important that is. Oh, well done, Jess. Yes. I'm delighted thinking of you drinking your hot cup of tea. Yes, me too. And she also says the course has relieved our anxiety about my return to work and my husband taking over as the stay-at-home parent because now we can both easily put our son to sleep. Um, and she said night sleep only um, took about one or two days to improve and the, the naps were easier by day three. So that, that's such a good example. Oh. When you've got a clear yeah. plan, it actually can turn around so quickly. You're never more than a few days away from better sleep. So she says, thank you for yeah. putting Sunbell together. It's such a handy resource for struggling parents. So thank you, Jess. That means so much to us to get that, that feedback really really love it yeah it does you know I listen to um, many other podcasts as you know Fallon I'm an avid listener of podcasts (laughs) and um, I um, you know for years have been hearing 
um, podcasters saying it's so nice to get these emails or you know to send in mm. your feedback and I always thought mm -hmm, yeah 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 and actually now I'm like oh my goodness I love yeah. it too they it really meant it <laughs> yeah I know like I my whole demeanor I like bounce through the day like yeah it's so nice when you know that yeah. something you've done has helped to actually change someone's life and made their life easier mm. that's why I love what I do because the baby years, the toddler years, they are so short and mm -hmm. you don't want to miss out on the joy. And sometimes mm. sleep problems are so extreme that parents do miss out on the fun and the joy of it. Um, and being yeah. able to give that back to parents, I mean, what an incredible, incredible thing. Yeah. Anyway, I should stop getting all sobby. Um, we have a few parent <laughs> questions to run through, Laura. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Do. So, uh, yeah, as, as you all know, um, Sombao members can submit their questions to us. Um, we had a question come in from Ashley. Um, she wants mm -hmm. to know when she should go to her six-month-old baby overnight. Her baby wakes in the night and sometimes will fucks a little and then fall back asleep without sort of needing any help. Um, but at other times, the fussing turns into crying. And then when I go to her, she's harder to settle. So she asks, should we be going straight over to her or should we wait longer? What do you reckon? Um, wait longer. So mm. always try to avoid going straight over to um, a baby um, who we know can self-settle overnight. Um, so, um, yep wait a little bit just to give um, her the opportunity to see if she can settle herself to sleep. Um, and in some instances, like you're describing, um, she may just fuss a little and go back to sleep. And other times the crying might get a little bit um, stronger and you might need to go over and um, assist her to go back to sleep. Um, don't worry, it might take a little bit of time when you have to go over to assist her to go back to sleep. Um, it's all practice and mm. um, it doesn't mean that you've left her too long or she's got really wound up or anything like that. Um, it's um, just the way that settling goes. Yeah, they often make a lot of noise when they resettle and if we're too quick to go to them, they don't get that practice of trying to do it. So definitely just give her those few minutes and, and see what she does and she'll get better and better at it over time. Mm. Um, Lisa wants to know, is there a certain time in the afternoon when the last nap should end for both a two two nap day and a three nap day and I think with this one no <laughs> you can't <laughs> kind of put a certain time on it because every baby is going to be so different um so I, I couldn't mm -hmm. say oh yeah by four o'clock in the afternoon they should be awake or whatever else because every baby is going to be on a bit of a different schedule I would say the most important thing is the last awake window of the day should be the longest. When it's not the longest, we see all sorts of bedtime problems mm -hmm. and night waking problems. Just make sure it's one of the longest awake stretches of the day. Um, she also asks, is it true that falling asleep in the late afternoon is tricky and needs to be assisted? Many sleep consultants I've read from or enlisted all said that nap three is recommended to be assisted as it's hard to fall asleep at that time. What would you say, Laura? Uh, I'd say no, it's not true that the falling asleep in the late afternoon needs to be assisted. Um, if you have a baby that is finding it hard to fall asleep for that last nap um, and can only fall asleep by being assisted, but at all other times is able to um, you know, mostly settle themselves to sleep, then you'd actually be looking at whether your baby is ready to drop that nap that um, you're trying mm. to assist them. Yeah, with. if it's too hard, um, it might be yeah. time for it to go. 
Yeah, um, and if they if it's not quite time for um, the nap to go, it could just be that it's becoming a habit that your um, baby quite likes to have that contact nap um, on you in the afternoon, which is fine if you want to do that as a parent. It can be nice to have one nap where you're assisting your baby to go to sleep and having them lie mm. on you. Um, but um, it's not necessary. And if you know that they can settle themselves mm. to sleep in their cot, then just keep persisting with that last nap as well, yeah. in the same way you do for the earlier naps. Yeah, if it's your goal to really work on helping them learn to self-settle and you've been really persisting with that, some babies find it really confusing if they're sometimes held or padded to sleep. Um, if you mm. really need to assist them, I always say put them in the pram because it's more or less independent yes. settling. It's not so confusing for them. Um, so, yeah, it'll depend a little bit on what your goals are there. Um, yeah. Lucinda asks, in regards to unique sleep needs, when tracking my son's sleep, um, this is in the, the Sombell sleep diary, do I just leave him to sleep and wake up naturally? Because he's six months old and will still only nap for 30 minutes most of the time, I usually go in to help extend the nap by resettling him in my arms and then placing him down again. I do this until about the 1.5 to 2 hour mark for the middle of the day nap because I thought I was meant to. And then she laughs and says, now I'm realizing maybe not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say when you're trying to get a handle on what your baby's unique sleep needs are, so you're tracking their sleep in the diary to sort of start to get a sense of things, just keep doing whatever you've been doing. Um, yeah. don't make any really huge changes. I mean, look, if you're halfway through the diary and you have been making big changes, it's also not a big deal. Um, but I think just track their sleep, settle them. However, once you've got that kind of reading on their sleep after a week of tracking, that's when you kind of get a handle on what their unique sleep needs are. And then you can start to sort of make some, some changes to how you're settling them. Um, so I hope that yeah. that helps Lucinda. Um, when we did have yeah. one question coming on Instagram from a parent who's not a Sombell member, um, maybe they will be soon though, because they've got a 20 yes. month old toddler. Um, and they say, what do you suggest doing with a co-sleeping 20-month-old in terms of moving him to his own bed? Would you suggest we put him in his cot or should we put him straight into a toddler bed, um, having co-slept for so, so long with us? He just screams when we put him in his cot. Mm. Oh, look, this could go either way. <laughs> like, yeah. if, it sort of depends on temperament. If this is a toddler who's likely to just keep getting out of bed all the time, Maybe it's worth persisting with the cot and giving him lots of support to get used to the cot. Um, but if you just think it's going to be an absolute disaster putting him in the cot and a battle you don't want to fight with, um, then, yeah, it might be that you move him to a bed instead. And this is where settling mm -hmm. can become really challenging in a bed. Um, and one thing we haven't mentioned is that in the Sunbell program for toddlers, we have a whole huge section on different strategies for cot settling and another absolutely massive section <laughs> on settling in beds. Because when it comes to settling in a bed, it's a whole different kettle of fish when they can get up and, yep. you know, and that whenever they want to. Um, so you could look yeah. at those resources and, and choose something, um, an approach there to use. Yeah, and if you think that, uh, Chrissy, that your 20-month-old um, is actually going to be trying to climb out of the cot, then um, just don't even, don't go there. Don't um, yeah. be trying to put them back in the cot because some children, even at that young age, who are um, stronger mm. or a bit taller than other um, toddlers, might at that age be able to um, uh, yes. press them, so use the arm pressure to push themselves up out of the cot like they're getting out of a swimming pool um, or yes. <laughs> swing their leg over. 
yeah, over the rails and then we'll I didn't have tell an you this, Laura. The other day I had a family and their toddler had climbed out of the cot really unexpectedly, hadn't shown any signs they could do it. Um, but they randomly did it and fell and actually broke their arm. Like they flew no out of the cot, broke their arm. <gasps> I know. How horrific. Oh Poor my parents. So yeah, when Jesus. they're getting old enough, yeah. they um they like to practice their gymnastics, don't they? And it's not yes. always a graceful landing. <laughs> So, yeah, no, I agree oh, with you. I hope that toddler gets um, uh, their arm uh, recovers soon. Yeah, oh. yep, I know, horrid. Um, one last thing mm. I will mention that I've completely forgotten about is we have a wait list running for our toddler sleep program um, and mm. people on that wait list are going to get a massive 40% discount when we launch, which is really quite huge and generous. Um, we're supposed to have closed the wait list by now, but I haven't gotten around to doing it. So if you want to be on that wait list, if you think you might buy the program um, or you want to lo- know more about it, jump on the wait list so that then you've got that massive discount code come Friday when it launches. Um, so yeah, there's still time to jump on that. And if you, you know, what, I'll just put a link in the show notes for that one if you yeah. can. Um, but yeah, move quickly because we can't keep it open forever. Uh, All right. So, look, I hope you guys found this podcast episode helpful. We know that there's lots of toddlers with sleep problems and settling problems, and hopefully you got a lot Mm -hmm. out of this. Um, So, yeah, I guess thanks for tuning in. And next week we'll be able to tell you all about how the Toddler Sleep Program launch (laughs) went. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking forward to having some good sleep once we launch it. (laughs) Oh, I know. There's got to be some champagne popped on the weekend, Laura, at some point. It's been so much work. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. See you next week, everybody. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. If you need help with your baby's sleep or settling, then you need Sombell. Sombell is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic for babies aged 0 to 12 months. It contains all the best resources from Dr. Fallon and Dr. Laura's sleep clinics, so you can rest easy and soak in your baby. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.